Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Subscribe on iTunes at Toddcast Podcast. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. There I am. There he <laughs> is, all punctual and shit. I like Look that. Look at that, eh? I'm never on time either. I was like, well, I don't know if he's live. I don't know what he's doing, so I better be on time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, man, for first off, moving the date. No, and it's all moving good. the time. And like, I'm like, hey, Brian, is there any chance you can? The... So, yeah, no thank you. Looking forward to, to shooting the shit. It's been a while, man. I think it's, I mean, it's got to be at least a decade. Are you serious? Since we've seen each other, probably at Joey's house, one of Joey's parties when he. Yeah, I, I think it's probably been. I mean, we've talked since then, but I don't think we've like seen each other, hung out, and, you know, shoot the shit. But it's been a, it's been a long time, man. Yeah, because I, I moved down to LA for, for a few years. I was down there for seven or eight years, and then I just moved back a couple of years ago. You, you're in Vancouver now? I'm, well, I have a place in Vancouver, but I literally moved back to my hometown of the Comox Valley on Vancouver Island. Really? Yep. And I, and I literally just built a studio here. I've been spending a wow. year building a, a killer studio here right on the water, and, I, and it finished now. Wow. So, yeah, I, I've... We got lots to talk about because the whole COVID thing. I couldn't. Oh man, it's it was nuts, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, and I, I'm just trying to think. Like, like when did we meet each other? I mean, we ha- it has to be close to 20 years. Hey, it's got to be easy. 90s with DDT. Like, when, oh, true. When, actually, when yeah. That was like enclosure in like early 2000s, but it was fucking. It was DDT. DDT, and you know when we when Lars signed us, and you know Nickelback God. used to open for us. Yeah, man. <laughs> crazy, man. crazy, dude. Oh. Of course, now you're good buddies with Chad and oh, yeah. all those guys, right? So yeah, yeah. I got to, you know, it's funny after being friends for all those years, and then I I produced a record with them, which was amazing. What a, we had so much fun. I, I ended up just moving into Chad's place and just getting to work, and uh, you know, it was it was we did the Here and Now record. It's so good, so fun. Yeah, are you doing anything with their new stuff that they're working on right now? I haven't. It's funny. I haven't talked to Chad in ages, and uh, and then he just called me out of the blue like two months ago, and we talked on the phone for two hours just catching up. But yeah. haven't I haven't worked with him in a while since probably that record. And actually, I did a song after that record, whatever the record after here and now was. I did a, this, I co-produced the single at my studio in L.A. Oh, um, I can't remember what the name of it, but that was probably God gotta be like eight years ago wow i haven't seen him in ages we i, I told him i go dude we gotta freaking hang man i know right i, I went out to his i was like hey you want to jump on my podcast he's like yeah for sure i'm like cool let me send you a zoom link he's like fuck that come to my house we'll do it at my studio crash over nice some jam and play some pool and shit so that's awesome a couple summers back now man time flies dude Oh, dude. Well, remember all that? We, we, all of us used to be partying all the time. And now all we're all old. We all got kids. And- <laughs> I know. It's crazy, right? <laughs> we're old men now. <laughs> so Juno award winning Brian House. That must never get old. Like, t- tell us about how do you learn that you are going to win a Juno award? Well, it was the first one. So I got lucky. I've won two of them. And, and the coolest thing was, is, uh, you know, I was up against both times uh, Bob Rock and and um, uh, I think it was uh, was it? it was Bob Rock and David Foster, and I was like, 
And the and I remember in two thousand seven, the first one I won, I was like, no, I don't have a chance, man. I'm just some fucking kid. I just did Hinder and yeah. you know Headley and stuff like that. And you know, I'm I'm just happy to be here drinking free booze. You know, I always think like a broke musician. Like <laughs> I've been <laughs> so, most of my there, life. Does it come with two drink tickets? <laughs> Dude, that's exactly how my brain's working. So I'm sitting there and, I, you know, my, my wife Leanne and I are just having cocktails and I'm enjoying myself, enjoying the moment. Just fun to be nominated. And then they announced yeah. that I won and I was like nearly fell over and I was way too tanked. Wow. So that's kind of how I found out. And I so went you don't find out until like the night of. I thought they I would have know. told you prior. Nope. Both wow. times. I won one in Ottawa too. It was my second producer of the year and, and I, I had no idea. And I definitely didn't guess the second one. I was like, oh. I, I don't think I'm, you know, both times I had no idea. <laughs> wow. It's not like I produced like Radiohead or something, you know, it was bands that do do kind of commercially very well, but they're not very credible. So I was like, there's no chance I'm winning. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's awesome. And and so now with COVID and, and let's, let's get to the COVID part of, of, of your day to day. Like how, how much different was it in the last couple of years? Like, is it just a matter of like you're in studio maybe they're in a studio somewhere else in another part of the world and they kind of send you tracks or how did, how did that work? Well, the, so I moved back about two, two and a half years ago. Uh, and I mainly moved back cause my kids are still young and I wanted to raise them in Canada because they had grown up most of their lives in, in LA, which is awesome. But I wanted them to have some Canadian identity and, and it was just, things were getting a little crazy down there politically. So I literally moved back to the Vancouver Island and then I was commuting to LA to my studio. Oh, wow. And and I just it was like two years ago I just finished the new Simple Plan record which hasn't come out yet actually because of COVID, literally just finished that record and was flying home and then boom border got shut down, and I was like now what because I can't get to work, so it was mayhem. But that's when I discovered that Ron Obvious who built the warehouse Armory Mutt Lang Studio in Switzerland lived in Fanny Bay which is twenty minutes from me. Shut up, really. Dude, please like, what are the chances of that? And build me a world-class a mini armory on my property here. And he goes, I'd love to. I got so lucky. And so he was building that. But until then, I had no studio. So everything's been Zoom. Zoom writing, Zoom producing with an engineer in LA, which is a trip, man. But I, I kind of got used to it now. It's, uh, you know, my very first Zoom co-write was with this girl, Olivia Panalva from Kelowna. I've never done one before. We did a Zoom write. It went on to go top 10 and she got signed in the U.S. and the song's out on the on top 40 in the U.S. right now. That's, That's crazy. Do you, like do she, you think, yeah. is there, there going to be much of like the, the COVID world like pushing past? Of course, we're going to get past it eventually. But do you think that there's going to be much of that like in your future? Will you still do like maybe a Zoom write or... I will. It's it's kind of nice because, uh, especially when I'm producing a band, you know, because I, I, I could never do both at the same time unless I'm writing with the band. But now I can get up in the morning, write, do my Zoom write from 9 to 12, and then do my production from 12 to 10 like I normally do. But, I, you know, I got to write with someone in England, with Australia. Like, you get to work with people all over the world, and it's so convenient. So I think I'll do a little hybrid, you know, a little keep zooming when it's convenient and especially getting people from all over the place together. And then also it's always better face to face though. Oh, totally. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and you sent me that, uh, Chris Cornell track, uh, light on, I think. Yep. It's called? Yep. A couple of months back. And of course, knowing that I would never share it, fuck, I'm just not that, <laughs> I'm not that guy. I would just, no, I, that's it. why I said it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for, for, for sending me that, but I'm wondering like how much of that kind of stuff do you have like just in the vaults where, you know, maybe it's a track from a band or an artist that, 
you know, has just never seen the light of day. How much stuff like that do you have? Dude, well, the Cornell one was amazing because he's never really co-written with anyone and Jimmy Ivey stuck us together and I had come up with the initial idea and I was like, you know, it's Chris Cornell. He's probably the best singer I've heard in, in my life, maybe a rock singer, one of them, you know, him and Robert Plant. Yeah. But uh, we ended up working together. It, it was great. And, and then he was so excited about us working together. We really hit it off that I, I suggested, hey, let's get some guys from the bit. This is before Soundgarden got back together. And I suggested, let's get some of the guys in. And, let, and, he, and he was open to the idea. So in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to get Soundgarden back together and I'm going to produce it. <laughs> so, you know, in my twisted mind, I was thinking that. But he ended up going, that's when he kind of decided to do a pop thing. And and then that song, he did like a Timbaland record, which was really weird. Uh, you know, and, and that's fine. And then David Cook ended up cutting the song and it went to be a big hit. But I, no one ever got to hear his version with his vocals on it. And I was so bummed out because it's such a magical vocal with him singing it. And oh, it I'm, really still, I'm still working with Vicky on trying to get it released because I just want the world to hear it. And But I, I literally have, you know, I have that. I have an unreleased Linkin Park song that I did right before Chester passed. Wow. And, and I have an unreleased Keith Urban song that I did. <laughs> wow. Holy man. You know, that's so, the thing, yeah. Brian, is that a lot of musicians... You know, like you say, your DDT and closure, you guys had success with those bands, but a lot of musicians go down that route of like, you know, kind of producing and writing with other bands. Um, what is it about that side of things of the industry? Do you think that, that you've kind of found your niche now? You know, I think honestly, when I, cause obviously I wanted to be a rock star when I was a kid and I loved it, but my problem was I liked too many genres. I like too many, I love hip hop. I love rock music. I love new wave. I love country. And when I'd make a record and be, oh, I'm in this band and we're a rock band. It's like, well, I want to do some pop stuff now. And, it, and then I would, I would write songs for the next record and the, the label would be like, what the hell is this? It doesn't even sound like the same band. So I finally realized I need to be a producer so I can work with different artists and stuff. So right. I, it took a while to figure it out. You know, I obviously miss playing live and all that kind of stuff, but I, I just like too many genres. So I found the perfect job where I can work with every genre, different artists from all different sizes, you know, big, small, in between, beginning bands, all that kind of stuff. So it's really, really rewarding. Yeah, yeah and of course you're looking in the background here, you know, and we've seen you posting like the gold records of Skillet and stuff on online, which is super cool. That must right. just be like, how does that compare to being in a band and like, you know, your band succeeding? It must be fucking rad. It's just as rewarding. And, and a lot of those records I get to play guitar and sing background vocals on and you know, I almost become like the fifth Beatle. So it's it's kind of great that way. And, and, you know, especially a band like Skillet, like it, it's funny. People that know them know how big they are, but people that don't never heard of them. They sold 13 million albums in the U.S. 13 million for that's a Christian crazy. Like rock. today's numbers, that's huge, man. Like that's huge numbers, dude. Crazy. And, and even the last record I did was like three years ago. We just did a million in sales. And, and, and like the streams are 300, 500 million. It's crazy. And, crazy. and you know, I, when I first worked with him on Comatose, which is one of the most proudest moments or records I've ever made, and uh, I was helping transition them from the straight Christian world into the secular world as well. So it could be about a god or a girl. It doesn't have to be overtly, you know, but still has their message that's important to them. But it, people that don't believe could also relate to the music. And that's the job I kind of was tasked with. And I, I, you know, I just, I went to Chicago, made a record with them for three, three months. And it was amazing experience. 
That's they're cool. the best, pe best people in the world. So it's very rewarding, especially when you do it with your friends, because I've, I've become friends with all the people I've worked with over the years. Yeah, of course, of course. And, and so for you personally, like, how old were you when you were starting to get kind of serious about making music, like playing in bands? Probably, that's all I've ever done. I've never had a job. I When I was 15, I saw Van Halen Diver Down and I looked at Eddie and I went, I want to do that. And I started taking guitar lessons. And ever since then, I was in, you know, in the 80s, I was in a, a butt rock cover band called Young Gun. And literally, that's all I've ever done. I, I graduated high school, went on the road with a cover band and tried to learn how to play guitar and write songs. And I spent my life on the road. <laughs> Dude, that is incredible right so okay so so walk us to through the music in your house then uh, what's in the the house house as a kid like what are your what are your parents exposing you to uh, parents you know it's funny they, they definitely opened me up to like i think the first record they bought me was an elvis record believe it or not and Good i was start. like eh, it's okay but i i really i think the the, the band that blew it out for me was kiss and uh. acdc so many people say those bands like what is about yeah. those two bands right kiss was just i just like the rock star larger than life the music this relatable lyrics and then after that when i discovered acdc it was over for me i was like oh my god this is the band that speaks to me i want to do whatever they're doing and to this day they're still my favorite band on the planet Absolutely. Yeah, and, and like, what, like still to this day, one of the best. Like, how old are those dudes? Oh. They have to be like 65, 70, and they yeah, fucking rock, dude. Yeah, it's they do, man. They're crazy. They're, they're, they're the epitome of blue collar rock, no poser, all yeah. rock, all the time. The best songs, the best lyrics, simple riffs that anyone can play. It's, I just love everything about that band. So, everything. when you get into ACDC, is it uh, Bon Scott or, or are we into it? Oh. 50 50 for me man i love it was born alive i mean oh no the first right, highway to hell he was it was i think he had just passed away and highway i was i think i was 16 and highway to hell was the first acdc record i heard and i went oh my god listen oh. to those guitars <laughs> <laughs> and then i discovered mutt lang and and how he records guitars and all that and he's the guy behind the boards and i fell in love with that guy <laughs> yeah, well, there's some stuff I think that people, if they're like to know some of the albums and the music that Mutt Lang has worked on, yeah, like you, oh, okay, oh, wow, I see, wow. that's why. I mean, everything that guy touched is just amazing. Biggest, greatest producer on the planet in the history of the world, in my opinion. You know, Ace, I think Back in Black is the second biggest record in history next to Thriller. Uh, Shania Twain, 100 million records, over 100 million sold, like, like. All that stuff, Def Leppard, 100 million, probably 80, 90 million, something like that. Yeah. It's crazy. Four and a four, you know, just uh, literally changed my life, that stuff. Yeah, he did the Pyromania album, didn't he? Pyromania, uh, uh, yeah, exactly. That like, one and then the one after. There, that's, that's like one of the best rock albums of all time. And that's Absolutely. not arguable. That's 100%. I agree with you 100% on that. Photograph, my favorite song from them. Yeah. Just amazing. Yeah. What was your first concert? Van Halen, Diver Down. It, it was a Diver Down, yeah. Yep. Holy crap, talk about there. Here's the bar. Yeah, I know, dude, right? I think I was like, how old was I? Like 15 or 16, and I, I was at the old Pacific Coliseum, and, and I just saw that and was like, oh, i got to do this. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. Hey, like in it. Rock stars, David Lee Roth, everyone, <laughs> Eddie doing his solos, playing Eruption. Oh, yeah. amazing. Yeah. 
You know, I, I wasn't going to ask this, but it's written down. I was like, ah, maybe I'm, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to anyway. It's, it's a really hard one. You probably would change day to day the answer, but okay. uh, today, give us the three albums that you would need if you're stranded on a deserted island. Three albums. Wow. Okay. Um, oh man. Well, definitely back in black. That's my That's number best number one for me. I think it's the best record ever made. It's perfect. There's not one flaw, not one word out of place. It's perfect. Um, Oh man, number two. That that's when it gets really hard because I'm saying right, you change it every day and like might be Pyromania. Yeah, that that record was so influential in my life. I still listen to it. Yeah, and and then something more modern. It would honestly be a Coldplay record. I think uh, La Vida, La Vida. I absolutely love that record. Yeah, good album. And you know, Coldplay for me, they're not they're not like a band where I'd go home like, man, I need to hear the the, the La Vida Loca uh, album. Right. I need to hear it. But man, if they're coming through Vancouver, I need yeah. to go to that show. They're oh, just, it's just amazing good. live, and yeah. it's what I listen when I travel. I listen to that on the plane, and it's the soundscapes are so amazing, and the, and the production is so amazing. I discover new things every time I hear it. It's awesome. Yeah, maybe borrow that piece. Like, oh, I like the way they did that. I like that. Absolutely. That sounded pretty cool. Absolutely, man. Always learning, man. Always got yeah. my ears open and listening to new things and uh, trying to incorporate them into my bag of tricks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we did a little bit of humble bragging, talking about uh, some of the bands you worked with over the years, but maybe to get into that a little bit. Name some of the bands over the years that you've worked with. Or- um, some of the, well, yeah, Nickelback, obviously, which we had a great time. Um, the band Hinder, I kind of helped create that from scratch with the guys. And uh, that was really, really cool. You know, debut record selling 4 million copies. Crazy, man. And, and crazy. It, we had those it, guys through Fox so many times. Uh, I think <laughs> I think it was, uh, maybe it wasn't Austin. It was like, it was one of the guys in the band, but they, uh, they took their ball sack out were on the air and they lit it on fire. Yeah, that's over the guitar player. We used to that's probably yes, yes. And uh, oh my god, that fucking smell would not leave the studio for like hours. That poor guy, he got picked on. It was a full jackass moment. We used to pay him to do crazy stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, no, that was a that was such a fun experience. You know, yeah, those guys are managing guys. and and you know and and we we did that and we we had so much fun with that whole ride. But I, I did a song with Taylor Swift and, and Boys Like Girls, which which, wow. which was a huge hit. Uh, that was really cool. Chris Daughtry, all the American Idol stuff I've done, like David Cook, Chris Daughtry. Uh, I've worked with like tons of them back in the heyday. So how how do, how do like, is that just a matter of like okay we know that Brian House is gonna fucking dial us up, or is that you do have a, like a deal with with American Idol, or like how did that work out? I kind of got my foot in there. I I think. Um, uh, Pete Gambard was always a fan of my bands and was always looking interested in signing me. Never did, but you know, always poked around. And I yeah. think he he and Hinder had just come out and was starting to do good. So he was like, "Hey, I think Brian might be perfect to write with Chris." So I was the first one that Chris wrote with, and we wrote "What I Want," which was the with the rock song off his first record uh, that Slash played on, which was really cool. We literally That's wrote that in half a hotel room, and um, but it you know that record, geez. Eight million copies worldwide. Isn't that crazy? Debu- biggest debut uh, rock uh, solo, rock solo record ever. Um, but he was such a good singer. And then I think from there I did the next one and then David Cook. And then I just 
I, they would always call me the idol whisperer because whenever the idols would come off idol, you know, because before they, they, most of the guys were never in bands. They used to work in paint stores and stuff. And then six right. months were famous. And so they would come off there wanting to be super arty. And it was like, I want to make a Fugazi meets Radiohead album. And, and then I was the idol whisperer, like, yeah, that's cool, dude. But, you know, we got we to gotta make the soccer moms happy. That kind of yeah. puts you on the map here. So I was the... Let's let's make the soccer moms happy, but still keep the artiness for you. So I was pretty good at kind of bridging that gap and, and making the label happy and the artist. So it was uh, it was a lot of fun back in the heyday when they really used to push those guys too. Yeah, dude, that's crazy. And I I heard from I think it might have been Joey Moy um, that uh, the Daughtry Chris Daughtry was the best singer like ever that he's, he's ever seen in studio. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah, the problem with him too was he's such a good singer that when you do a song with him, even he would make a, a, a mediocre song or a mediocre melody line sound amazing. So I wouldn't be able to tell if the song's a hit because he sells it so much. So I would have to sing it myself kind of out of tune and stuff to know if the melody's catchy enough. Wow, really? Because oh <laughs> he's so good at convict, like his conviction is so over the top. It's like, I think it's good. It just sounds good to me. You know, you just like everybody else in the studio. Was that good? Fuck. I don't know. That was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, he's, wow. he's an amazing, really great guy. And his new record's really good too. He just put out a solo record. You know, he's on his own now and it's oh. really good. Oh, cool. Really good record. Well, let's, let's get outside of music and uh, you know what you're known for. Sure. What, what do you, what are you binge watching lately? On are TV, you? On, honestly, uh, the queen's gambit. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God. My wife talked me into watching it. I'm like, oh, show about chess, really? I like chess, but I was hooked, man. Holy. So holy good. God. It's so good. And the, and the writing is so good. And the characters aren't cliche. You expect them a certain way. Oh, yeah. Like the, you know, the, the person at the, the orphanage is going to abuse them and stuff. And she turns out to be sort of a decent person. It's like they twisted the cliches, which is really cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Yeah. And that, that was one of those things I was kind of flipping through, like you might like. And I'm like, yeah. Fuck off, Netflix. I'm not going to like that. I, I'll give it a shot. Why not, right? Yeah, yeah, We're yeah. Not, same thing. Blown away, man. That's a great show. Yeah, me too. And I can't wait for the uh, Sopranos prequel too. I'm really excited for that one. Yeah, that looks deadly, hey? Oh, yeah. I was a huge fan of that. Sopranos. Started watching the Sopranos again because of that. Yeah, I got to do it again. Yeah. It's so yeah. good. Are you into all the uh, the superhero movies? Like, I, yeah, I, I love all that stuff. I, I like Iron Man, especially the old Iron Man's and and uh, Robert Downey. I'm a big fan of him, Robert Downey. Yeah, you know, he's yeah. a good actor. Which superpower would you want to have? Oof, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> I wouldn't mind being able to fly like Iron Man. <laughs> Just yes. like, that'd be pretty dope. <laughs> be very cool. Yeah. Uh, what's the worst job you've had? I guess you've always been in the industry always been in the industry i you know it's funny i did i did a job once and i have no skills in that department because i so i i think it was in the broke days of uh, early ddt and Corey white got me to come out and do cement or something and i almost lost my hand in the cement mixer within the first five minutes and the and the guy the the, the foreman just looked at me and goes dude you're not you're not you can't be around here you're not made for this stuff you, you just go away yeah, <laughs> that was yeah, it. Yeah. It's not worth the five sixty five an hour, bud. You might no, well. no, exactly. So probably uh, some of the early gigs that we played in the in the middle of nowhere in Lac La Biche, and people want to take chairs and crush our heads in because we're not playing Born to Be Wild, and you know right. those days are interesting. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Nice. What, what's your favorite sport to, to play? What's your favorite sport to watch? Well, definitely hockey, obviously. And, and um, funny story, actually, when I moved to L.A., I because I, uh, I play a lot of ice and ball hockey. And down in L.A. and in, in the U.S., ball hockey's gotten really big. So I started playing with these, these guys down there just for fun. And, and then we started going to some tournaments. We started winning them all. And then all of a sudden, we're, uh, we're invited to the North American Championships uh, for ball hockey. And we're about, you know, playing against guys like 16 to 25. And I'm in my 50s. Right. And, but I've still got some speed. So we ended up going there and winning. <laughs> no, really? So then I got scouted by because I'm a dual citizen. I got scouted by Team USA to, to play on the Masters uh, uh, team USA team to go to the Czech Republic and play in the worlds in Baja. I swear to you, dude. And and I was supposed to go during COVID and then I obviously COVID hit and it got postponed, but I was literally going to go to <laughs> this camp. That's like, crazy, man. So I'm living my hockey dreams again. <laughs> wow. So that's, that's like on rollerblades, right? No running, like running or oh, running street, street hockey. hockey. Yeah, like it's huge around what? the world and in the U.S. Wow. It's crazy. Yeah, there's there's like a minor pro league. And, and yeah, I had no idea because, you know, in Canada, you play ice. And then when you're buddies on Sunday, you play street hockey. But yeah. it's serious down there. So basically, everything's the same except you're just running with sneakers, which is, by the way, the cardio is insane. Oh, dude. Yeah, well, I, I do that uh, Sundays between like two and five yeah. with like. 12 year old kids <laughs> 10, 10 to 12 right and it's just like fuck you're done man like as the adult that's playing against them, like at the beginning you just trash them right but by the end you're just <laughs> then you gas out die into yeah man like you can't keep up and they're fucking schooling you and it's, yeah, it's embarrassing <laughs> oh man <laughs> it's embarrassing. That's funny, dude. that's awesome are you a gambler i think i know this oh yeah believe me i love I, actually Ch chad and joey got me into poker yeah yeah, we used to have crazy games out there, and, and Chad's awesome to play against because he just doesn't care, <laughs> and he gets good, bored. Yeah. He's good. You know, he uh, he turned me on. Him and Joey, uh, we were out gambling, and uh, fuck, I can't remember. It was one of the, I think, of the Richmond Casino. Yeah. And uh, and they were like, "No, you need to do this this uh, this style of betting for uh, roulette." Oh, I know they have a system. Yeah, you need to wait for it to go four or five times, red or black, odd or even. Yeah, and then bet against the system until you win. <laughs> Sometimes you had to double down to like you know fucking nine hundred bucks or whatever Doubling, to win doubling. twenty or forty, right? Like, yeah, yeah, scary shit, man. I know those guys are crazy. I remember being in Vegas with those guys, and I remember once they won a bunch of money, like Joey and Chad. Like, I'm I'm not much of a gambler. I like to play poker where I have a little bit of say in the outcome. Yeah, but. They won a bunch of money, and we—I remember—we got followed by some dudes that were going to roll us, and and Chad had his security guy Hawk there. Hawk, yeah, yeah. and Hawk even looked worried, and because these guys were probably packing, and they followed us, and then finally the 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 resort security came and got them. But I remember they they'd won like twenty thirty k, and they were whipping it around, and these dudes were following us, man. It was pretty scary. Wow, yeah, you don't <laughs> think about that, right? Like if you win big money, yep. They make a big deal of it. Ring, 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 ring. Like, hey, this guy just won 50K. I know. And then some dude's going to roll him. But this guy didn't care that we had a security guy with us. They didn't care. And Hawk's Crazy. huge, man. He's a big kid. He's a big boy. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah. Where, where do you see yourself in five years? Still doing it? Banging it away? You still going to be on the island, you think? 
Yeah, you know, it's I, I do travel a lot because I'm going to be going to I, I'm I'm signed to Big Machine Publishing right now, which is uh, Scott oh. Borchetta's publishing company. So I'm going to be doing a lot of country country writing and country stuff. So I'll be going to Nashville a lot. But the yeah. beauty about where I am is we have an international airport, so you can fly direct from Comox to like Calgary, Edmonton, Seattle, Mexico, Hawaii, and Toronto. So I could go straight from Toronto from here and then just take a shuttle down to Nashville. So. Wow. Uh, I'll probably stay here. It's my hometown. The reason I wanted to move here is because I had such a wicked childhood and I wanted my kids to have the same. And, you know, all my homeboys that I grew up with live here. Like half my friends are like one guy's the, you know, the mayor and stuff. And the other guy's in the HAs. Like, you know what I mean? Right, 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 right. <laughs> I got all my buddies. <laughs> got everything covered. But it's, uh, I just, you know, it's a great place to raise kids. And that was my main motivation. I just wanted my kids to have an awesome and Canadian How old are your kids childhood. now? Uh, my daughter's 13 and my son's uh, eight. Crazy, right? Yeah. Grow up fast, man. Oh, I know. How, how old are yours? 11 and almost nine. Oh, so we're in the same range. Same, same range. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. like, can I still come crash over? I'll bring my kids. And Dude, bring them over. We'll have a blast. I got my guest house here, so you're good to go. <laughs> nice. Did, did you did you pimp it out? Have you got a pool and all that shit? And uh, working I know on you had pool. it in LA, right? Oh, yeah. Um, well, I put the studio in, so got the studio in, and we're very lucky. We got three acres like right on the on the Georgia Strait here. So when wow. you're in the studio, you, you're looking at the Georgia Strait and the mountains and stuff. It's beautiful. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I've had a pool. I had a pool in West Bend for five years and then eight years in L.A., and my wife says, no more pools. <laughs> They're a pain. <laughs> you know what the problem is? The chemicals, man. Every time... We could never get the chemicals right. And every time we'd have someone over, they would put the wrong ones in and then I'd have to redo the bottom because it's all peeled up. And oh, yeah, <laughs> I'd like yeah. to get one. We're still talking about it, but we might. Yeah. But we, yeah. we got a hot tub there on the deck. So fight the good fight, brother. Fight the good fight. Absolutely. Got to have the pool parties, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is there a, a website for, for Toddcast listeners uh, to check you out? Um, I, it's still up and running. I haven't got the studio one up because the studio literally is still getting built and I'm working in it. But um just my Instagram, just uh, Brian. I don't even know what my Instagram is. I think oh, it's How's Official. How's Official. That's what it is. That's it. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. So, that's and then that's kind of where you're most active. That's where I'm most active now. And I just, you know, just been uh, doing, you know, been uh, on Instagram not for that long. I just, just started doing social media stuff because I enjoy it. It's nice to stay in touch with everyone, especially during COVID, right? Yeah, totally. So I've been into all that stuff now. And then once I get the officially finished the studio, we'll have a website up. It's called Black Stove Studios. So, <laughs> Okay, beauty. Yeah. Right, so we'll let you, I'll let you go, but I don't want to take out too much of your time. I appreciate you taking a little bit of uh, your time tonight. I'm sure you're probably – what are you working on right now? What do you need deep in? Um, actually, Jonathan Waugh, Patrick Waugh's son, oh. uh, the great goalie, uh, is an amazing, amazing singer. And um, a lot of crazy, great things going on with him right now. We, uh, our first single just went gold in Canada independently. Um, he's wow. to signing his first deal. Actually, his second deal. He was technically signed to uh, Corey Hart's label through Warner Brothers when he was a kid. But and uh, yeah, there's. I can't tell you now, but I'll tell you. But he just got some crazy, crazy news, and uh, I will share it with you when I'm allowed to. <laughs> I'm not allowed to, but. Yeah. yeah, check out him, Jonathan Wah, man. His voice is unbelievable. Like he's okay, the real cool. deal, true artist. Right on. Well, it's good to see you, man. Good to talk to you, and good you to catch up. You too, buddy. And say hi to the family. I haven't seen the wife. God, 
since we partied at Joey's, man. And uh, yeah, wow, yeah, it's been a while. Say hi from me, and uh, I'd love to see. We, we should go for lunch or something, catch up. Absolutely. Next time you're in Van, let me know. All right, Todd. Sounds okay, good. Okay, bud. We'll see you soon. Talk to you soon. The Toddcast Podcast on ToddHancock.ca. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.